0: This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, building on the strengths of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research, Their most significant innovation in 30 years. It's a complete research system that gives you confidence you've found the most relevant information, and it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnext.com. This is Richard Brust, editor of the ABA Journal in Chicago. And we're talking again to Mark Walsh, a freelance writer at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings for the nomination of Elena Kagan for Supreme Court Justice. And Mark, it's been a fairly slow day today so far. The committee has been out attending Senator Byrd's lying in in the Capitol Rotunda. And I know there are several things that came up yesterday uh, over the last few days that we were going to chat about that occurred of the committee. One of several things have, have been outside, outside substantive legal interests that have popped up. I know that several of the senators, as well as myself, were interested in the fact that at Harvard, international law is taught before constitutional law, which I thought was pretty interesting, and some of the senators found that as well. And I know you deal with education law and your interest has been largely in the area of the First Amendment. Tell us a little bit about what you saw at the committee regarding regarding that area.
1: Well, on your first question, Senator Grassley, I think a couple of days ago was the first to ask Elena Kagan about what he called the sweeping overhaul of the curriculum of Harvard Law School whenever that occurred, sometime during Kagan's tenure as dean uh, within the last few years. and and uh the way he sort of initially phrased it was that it suggests that that Harvard no longer even required a course in American constitutional law, and Kagan corrected him on that and but to say that and then the other part of Gresley's uh comment was that it seems that Harvard law requires international law and not American constitutional law, and how could that be and of course the the backdrop is that it's a sensitive topic in in the law in the Supreme Court jurisprudence in that whether you know, foreign law sources should be cited and there are justices who do that and and other justices who do not think that's appropriate. But but Elena Kagan said that yes, she did oversee this uh, overhaul of the curriculum and and there is a requirement for an international or a comparative uh, law course and, and that it is put in the first year and that she and her colleagues decided that con law would really be best taught in the second or third years when students a little better prepared for it, and and that Harvard was was not uh, the only school to do this. I mean, she was aware that the University of Chicago, where she is taught, uh, did that as well, uh, as well as some other law schools. And I mean, she called constitutional law absolutely basic, but just felt it was best taught and more thoroughly taught when it is delivered in the second and third years.
0: That, that's an interesting approach and, and it made me think a little bit about it uh, yesterday evening. I, the, the logic, I suppose, would be that you can base your understanding of the Constitution a lot more thoroughly on your understanding of contracts and uh, and, and uh, the way other countries also handle their, their legal systems. Uh, it's a totally different approach to learning constitutional law and if you have a place like Harvard, it probably works pretty well.
1: One would think that they were those students were probably prepared for it in the first year, but right. so uh, that's how Harvard has decided to do it. Right. Um,
0: now we know we also the, the the topic of the First Amendment also came up, and and this is something that's of interest to you um, in your coverage of of education law. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, just it's one of those issues that over the course of of three days of hearings and really two long days of. An, of intense questioning that, that uh, gets asked uh, She was asked a few times But gets lost in, in some of the other issues And and uh, Elena Kagan who's not known for having a huge body of scholarly writing Has written about the First Amendment in a couple of contexts And then she was asked about cases like New York Times versus Sullivan Which is one of the fundamental cases in the area of libel uh, recovering libel against public officials and makes sets a high bar for that and you know and she she i mean stood by that, but she did breast uh, some concerns about modern day technology and the ability of uh, what I think she had in mind the more average person who would not meet the public figure government figure standard being able to recover. Uh, for libel in the electronic age, and you know if they're being disparaged in email or on websites or on Facebook or what have you and um you know some some people who paid attention to that exchange uh yesterday just you know she has suggested that she might not be the number one champion of the First Amendment if she joins the Supreme Court uh, uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy is sort of the number one as far as uh, first Amendment free expression rights. And so it's just, it, it, you know, there's probably some hidden clues there that are, you know, further there in her comments and in her writings, and, and it's just one that, that that didn't get as much attention as uh, mm. some other areas of questioning.
0: So, some feeling out of where she may be going on some of these issues when she gets right. on the court. Um, the other thing that, that we had talked about you and I previously was the press coverage at at this at this hearing and it's always interesting from year to year to see what percentage of the reporters are from I guess new media publications as opposed to the old paper media publications how did you think it worked out this year were there increasingly the number of bloggers there other than Old publication types.
1: Well, I think I think so. I think that's probably true. And and uh, for those for anyone who's been there or who seen it on television, you you can probably notice there are, are there's the of course the committee and then the nominee at a table and there's a few rows of of guests, which are you know guests of the nominee, guests of the committee, and guests of the White House. Uh, but then there are just several long rows of press tables and and uh, those. Tables have been traditionally filled by newspapers and and uh, wire services and and some of the people from broadcast booths. But now the, in the heart hearing room, that the, the heart building that they're in, the the uh, the, the broadcast media kind of have it, their own skyboxes that are on a second level, and you know that that's the most modern of the mm. hearing rooms on Capitol Hill. Right. Um, and, and this is perhaps un, an unscientific observation, but there are, you know, newspapers, traditional print newspapers have been hard hit by the economy. The top newspapers still tend to send two people to these hearings. Some of the smaller newspapers, maybe one, but maybe not at all. And uh, But you have other kinds of publications, more political publications on Capitol Hill now, uh, websites like Politico, which do live blogging, um, a blog like SCOTUS blog that covers the Supreme Court very intensively, that does a, a minute by minute blog of virtually every question that's asked. So if you're really into the hearing and really can't be watching it yourself, or if if you are, I commend SCOTUS blog because it they they will link, say, to a a, a Supreme Court opinion or a a background document uh, right there in the live blog if it, as it comes up, and that's often very helpful. And then, you know, there are young, younger blogs and you know, other other publications like Slate, and you know, taking an interest and yeah. all,
0: all all sorts of media now taking part in in what's in what's going on there, which is which is very interesting. The bigger
1: question is is there, you know is there time Spent, you know, w- worth being there. <laughs> is there really a news story there to be covered? And uh, of course, we, you know, I mean, the basic answer to that is yes. But uh, you know, we, we're so far removed from the most uh, uh, controversial uh, confirmation hearings of, uh, of a generation ago, mm-hmm, that uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas, that uh, that every year, of course, then people bemoan. That 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 it's not very exciting, and 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 it's, and that the the hearings have lost their usefulness, but people still show up.
0: Right, right. Um, and and as one source once told to me, if you're nominating somebody for a lifetime position, it's the only chance they'll ever have to take a take a peek at what they're going to say and what they're thinking, and and this is this is the opportunity. One other thing that we talked about was the uh, a, a bit of a of a change from. At least the Sotomayor hearings last year was that there were few if any in fact no protesters going on this year um, Tell us a little bit about that. Is that an increase in security?
1: Well, it just uh in my experience uh until this year it was a tradition for some people to uh make their way through the visitors' line, which I think can be quite a wait uh go through security wait inside a little more and then and, and get a visitor seat which i think they move people through for about a half hour stretch at a time and then at some point in their 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 time there to stand protest uh something and, and quite often those have been anti-abortion protesters and and uh, I'm sometimes on other issues, sometimes on indecipherable issues, checking things. It seems that there were five arrests last year. I think there were probably at least that many outbursts, if not more. And I was I was somewhat surprised that we have not had anything like that this year. And 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 Elena Kagan has finished with her testimony, so I I, I would doubt that that uh, that would happen uh, during these you know next. Panel right. Come up, but
0: or, or or as you said in your in your entry today, a few protesters are going to come in to protest a, a couple of law professors testifying before the uh, before the, the panel as they will later today. I, I I thought it was also interesting yesterday, and and uh, I know you see this all the time that um, Chairman Patrick Leahy was taking his photos of uh, of Elena Kagan before the the, uh, the hearing began, uh, which was which was kind of uh, kind of amusing to watch.
1: Yeah, and I, I happen to you know see him fidgeting with his camera. I, I'm I'm not that personally familiar with his his uh, love for photography, uh, and and had sort of forgotten it from last year. But he 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 was he was you know had, had seemed to have a nice camera in hand and taking his own pictures, just as uh, former second lady Tipper Gore used to take her own pictures from a you know pretty good spot in world events and, and national events. And uh, Chairman Leahy you know made a comment that he he. Might uh, be more willing to crack down or enforce rules, or, or, or just better behavior by the many news photographers who are typically at the, these hearings. But for the fact that he he you know wishes that he were one himself, and uh, if he if he had a could have a second job, uh,
0: yeah, it would be his 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 day job after he's a after he's a photographer, I guess. What, what about this evening? The, the, uh, the committee gets started again at 4 Eastern, and the ABA is going to um, begin the, the, uh, the outside witness uh, hearings. Um, what, do you, what do you see is going to happen this evening?
1: The uh, ABA standing committee on the federal judiciary has decided to give uh, Kagan a well-qualified rating, and, and two representatives of the ABA will be there to explain that ruling uh, and I believe they're on a panel by themselves to start things off. Uh, th- then uh, they'll move to uh, other witnesses which include, which are then chosen by both the Democrats and the Republicans. Among the witnesses by, in the Democratic side are Professor Robert Clark of Harvard, Harvard Law School. He's The former dean preceded Helena Kagan uh Marcia Greenberger of the National Women's Law Center I'm not going to, you know, read all of them but
0: no sense um, going into uh,
1: and then you know on the, the minority side the republican side have several uh, members of the military who uh, uh you know evidently are going to raise questions about the whole issue of uh our handling of military recruiters at Harvard there are some representatives of uh, anti-abortion groups and uh, and then a few other their uh, panels um uh, Uh, that because we're not starting until, uh, four o'clock because of the surrounding the death of Robert Byrd, uh, you know, this could, could take a little while, I think, and go, go into the evening. But I think, they do want to finish up this evening because then senators, most if not all, are planning to go to West Virginia tomorrow for the funeral of Robert Byrd.
0: Well, Mark, once again, uh, it's been an interesting week, and we're so glad that you're there covering it for the ABA Journal. And uh, we'll we'll chat again tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit about summarize the week and see how it went. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to you then.
1: All right. Thanks, Richard.
0: This ABA Journal podcast was brought to you by Westline Next building on the strength of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research. Their most significant innovation in 30 years is a complete research system that gives you confidence. You found the most relevant information and it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnext.com.